0: Episode 107 Absalom and the Spirit of Rejection. I went into this podcast episode with the thought of titling this podcast episode Absalom and the Spirit of Rebellion, because this is how I've always considered Absalom, the rebellious son and the symbol of the spirit of rebellion. But this time, which is my fourth or fifth time to read the story of Absalom, I totally got something different, because now I see it is the rejection of Absalom's father that drives Absalom to the depths of his sin. So in this episode, we discuss and take a look at Absalom and the spirit of rejection. After the rape of Tamar, the Bible says that David was furious, but it never says that Amnon was disciplined or jailed or put away or punished for his crimes. It just said his dad was furious, and Absalom refused to speak to him for two full years. Now what I wish the Bible said was that David disciplined his son and spent considerable time teaching his son wisdom, revelation, and the ways of God and restored him to grace slowly after years of jail time and maybe over time, Amnon would be a testimony of a troubled youth that was delivered from his horrible sin to become a great king of Israel and David's heir. In addition, I wish it said that David found a way to restore his daughter's purity through some wonderful spiritual experience, and she was allowed to marry and live a normal life, and Absalom was restored to his brother. But instead, we have to believe the silence of the Bible is exactly what it was, David, though furious, was emotionally powerless to discipline his own children, and with it, a guilty non-registered sexual offender was walking freely in the palace of David for two full years. It's quite revolting to us in this generation, but in a polygamous society, women were treated more like objects and trophies than were given full status, and the crime in that day was not considered as terrible as today." Regardless, Amnon should have been put away for life until he was fully repentant and ready to return to society, but he wasn't. And this is where we have to consider David's heart again. Not as a sinful wayward heart, but a man who was drifting mentally. It's been secularly proven that pornography drops a person's IQ. This would apply to other sins. That sin numbs a person and deadens the mind. I spoke with a man the other day who came out of depression. He said it was like he saw only black and white, for during his days of depression, he just saw black and white. That's what it seemed like to him, until God delivered him from depression, and then it was like he saw color again. I get the impression of David's sin with Bathsheba did something in his mind and heart and deadened him. It says in the New Testament that we as believers have the mind of Christ which I compared to the crazy movie called Limitless. A pure mind that is capable of amazing things. The blood of Jesus and a pure walk with God enables us to be fully activated human beings with a live and active mind and heart that beats for God. Something has gone wrong with David. His decision-making and activity begins to go downhill, like he's aging before our eyes. Now that we've covered David... Let's talk about Absalom. It says Absalom didn't speak to his brother Amnon for two years, not a word good or bad. And Absalom has taken in Tamar and gives her a home all the while plotting his revenge. We talked about bitterness in the Joab episode, but this is worse. Every day Absalom saw his brother, every day his heart burned with anger toward his brother who raped his sister. Unforgiveness quickly turned into bitterness, which turned into hate to the point where it consumed Absalom. But here's the thing about Absalom. He was a very handsome, charismatic manipulator. He had personal skills and persuasiveness. He was very strategic and tactical in his thinking. He didn't just kill in cold blood like Joab did at the city gate. No, he plotted meticulously a premeditated murder of his sex-offender brother. Here is the account, 2 Samuel 13.23. Two years later, when Absalom's sheep shearers were in Baal-Hazor, near the border of Ephraim, he invited all the king's sons to come there. Absalom went to the king and said, Your servant has had shearers come. Will the king and his attendants please join me? No, my son, the king replied. All of us should not go. We would only be a burden to you. Although Absalom urged, he still refused to go, but gave him his blessing. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon come with us. The king asked him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged, So he sent with him Amnon and the rest of the king's sons. Absalom ordered his men, Listen, when Amnon is in high spirits from drinking wine, and I say to you, Strike Amnon down, then kill him. Don't be afraid. Haven't I given you this order? Be strong and brave. So Absalom's men did to Amnon what Absalom had ordered. Then all the king's sons got up, mounted their mules, and fled. So Absalom had his brother killed, and when David finds out, he weeps bitterly for days. 2 Samuel 13.38 Afterward, Absalom fled and went to Jashur, and stayed there three years. And King David longed to go to Absalom. For he was consoled concerning Amnon's death. The implication here is that David was dysfunctionally depressed over what had happened. And he wanted restoration, but he didn't. So Joab, taking a page from Nathan's playbook, convinced David to bring Absalom back by having a woman come and tell him a story of a murder in her family as well. And David agrees to have Absalom allowed to come back to Israel but with these words. Second Samuel fourteen twenty one. The King said to Joab, Very well I will do it. Go bring back the young man Absalom. Joab fell with his face to the ground to pay him honor, and he blessed the king. Joab said, Today your servant knows that he has found favor in your eyes, my lord the king, because the king has granted his servant's request. Then Joab went to Jaser and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king said, He must go to his own house. He must not see my face. So Absalom went to his own house and did not see the face of the king. So David relents and allows Absalom to return to the kingdom of Israel, but he's not allowed to see the king, which is stupid. Now that hatred and murder was not dealt with, we are adding rejection of a father. So far, we've got a curse upon the house of David, unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, hatred, rage, malice, there was previously a rape, and now we officially add rejection of a father. Adding rejection only leads to a future conflict. Where is David the peacemaker at the moment? My answer is not present. I'm not sure where David of the past is, Where is the father from the prodigal son at the moment? The answer is nowhere near. So let's talk about the spirit of rejection. God has created us to become his sons and daughters of the living God. And we want a picture of what it looks like, our Heavenly Father, and how he longs to love us. It's the picture of the father and the parable of the prodigal son. We are accepted and loved by God, created in his image with unique gifts and talents and ministries of God. The spirit of rejection tells a person they are not created unique and special and in God's image, and they do not have unique gifts, talents, and purposes, and they are not loved. Instead, we are what we make of ourselves and our life. Rejection says you're a self-made man. You are what you say you are, not what God says you are, and not what he has put inside of you. That's rejection and the disappearance of the God-given gift, which is you. The account continues, 2 Samuel 14, 25. In all Israel, there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the top of his head to the sole of his foot, there was no blemish in him. Whenever he cut the hair of his head, he used to cut his hair once a year because it was too heavy for him. He would weigh it, and its weight was 200 shekels by the royal standard. Three sons and a daughter were born to Absalom. His daughter's name was Tamar, and she became a beautiful woman. Absalom lived two years in Jerusalem without seeing the king's face. Then Absalom sent for Joab in order to send him to the king, but Joab refused to come to him. So he sent a second time, but he refused to come. Then he said to his servants, Look, Joab's field is next to mine, and he has barley there. Go, set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Seriously, bad idea, Absalom. How stupid can you be? You don't mess with ruthless Joab, because Joab doesn't take things lightly. Later, Joab will personally get his revenge for this action. But at the moment, Joab goes to the king David and convinces him to see his son, Absalom. So for two years, Absalom plots to kill Amnon, and he kills him. And for three years, he lived away from Israel, and he was allowed in, but not allowed to see his father for two whole years. Now he gets to see his father. Second Samuel fourteen thirty-three. So Joab went to the king and told him this. The king summoned Absalom, and he came in and bowed down with his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. So we get to feel here that there could have been true repentance, but instead the damage was done, for he had to wait five years since his crime to receive his father's forgiveness and love. Absalom was probably so bitter, this brief reconciliation did not bring healing, only suffering. In fact, I get the impression Absalom saw the pathetic state his father was in, and he wanted to claim what he thought was rightfully his, the kingdom. Second Samuel 15 In the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses, and with fifty men to run ahead of him. He would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. Whenever anyone came with the complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him, What town are you from? He would answer, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your claims are valid and proper, but there's no representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, If only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or case would come to me, and I would see that they receive justice. So there we are. Absalom stole the hearts of the people, and David was strangely absent. I mean, did David not know what was going on? Did he sleep in? Not know his son was up early? Seriously, David just ignored what was going on, and we will soon have a full-blown rebellion of David's kingdom. And when David could have stopped it, he chose to do nothing. Second Samuel 15.5 Also, when anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. And so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. At the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, Let me go to Hebron and fulfill a vow I made to the Lord. And while your servant was living in Jeshur in Aram, I made this vow. If the Lord takes me back to Jerusalem, I will worship the Lord in Hebron. All right, check this out. This is from listener Brant Frost. Here is something for the deep Bible student. Brant Frost pointed out that 2 Samuel 15.6 stated these words, Absalom behaved in this way and stole the hearts of the people of Israel. But 2 Samuel 15.7 reads, At the end of four years, Absalom came to the king. So it states, Absalom behaved in this way and stole the hearts of the people of Israel at the end of four years. So the weird thing is that this reference to four years in our NIV and other more current versions of the Bible, but the thing is the King James version and the original Hebrew actually reads 40 years. Brant Frost dug into this discrepancy, which is one of those type of discrepancies that atheists and others like to build their cases on, that the Bible through translations over many times in many languages has many errors. But this is where we like to put a marker and say, study deeper, right here. There must be a hidden truth, and Brand Frost points this out. By examining biblical history, Brant Frost pointed out that the statement of 40 is probably correct versus the four years used in our more current Bible versions. Applying biblical history, we look back in time 40 years and what happened. David stole the hearts of Israel and the people away from Saul when he defeated Goliath. A generation has passed, David has sinned greatly, and unfortunately the hearts of the people have been stolen away, but this time by a rejection and rebellious son. The acceptance of God the Father over David caused the people's hearts to be stolen away for David, away from Saul, the rejected king. David's rejection of the next generation in the form of Absalom led to the stealing away of the next generation of the kingdom away from David. For by rejection and rebellion, the kingdom will nearly be taken away from David. Thanks, Brant, for emailing this in. We always love getting feedback from the audience and hearing about their Bible studies and the things that they're learning, especially along our timeline of biblical history. The account continues, Second Samuel 15.9, The king said to him, Go in peace, but he went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to say, As soon as you hear the sound of trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. Two hundred men from Jerusalem had accompanied Absalom. They had been invited as guests and went quite innocently, knowing nothing about the matter. While Absalom was offering sacrifices, he also sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor to come from Gilo, his hometown, and so the conspiracy gained great strength, and Absalom's following continued to increase. To conclude this episode a Message to Kings, we've got to speak about the spirit of rejection some more. Rebellion, which is what Absalom is up to, is the original sin of the devil. But what drove Absalom to this rebellion was the rejection of his father. It's been a pretty common teaching recently of the parable of the prodigal son, in pointing out of the unrelenting perfection and love of the father in the parable of the prodigal son, and how it parallels the love of the father and the love of Father God towards his children. David wasn't anything close to this with his son Absalom. His rejection drove his son away from him and God and towards rebellion against his heavenly father and him. See, David's rejection of Absalom stopped the flow of identity and purpose which flows from a father to a son, and it rejected the God-given purpose over Absalom. The funny thing is that this rejection drove Absalom from his true destiny, the name Absalom means "My Father is peace," which is just crazy because Jerusalem means the teaching of peace, and peace is the fruit of the spirit, and Jesus is the authority of peace, but instead, Absalom rebelled against his father and desired the kingdom for himself and war against his father. so it starts in the heart and it grows in the case of Absalom, and like so many people, there is legitimate open doors of darkness due to fatherly rejection. But here's the thing about rejection. It says this about Jesus, that he only did what he heard or saw his father do, which means he was in constant communication with Father God. But when Jesus was on the cross, there was one moment when God turned away, and it was when all of the sin of humanity was dumped on Jesus on the cross, and it was in that moment that Father God looked away, and it was this rejection that in temporary isolation from Father God, When Jesus said, Father, why have you forsaken me? That allows him to take upon himself and away our rejection of our human fathers and those in authority who failed to recognize us and our gifting and God given purpose. It was this moment on the cross that Jesus took away our rejection and he brings healing to those who are rejected. The rebellion in Absalom's heart was led by this rejection, which drove him further from God and his people and his father. This rejection fed the sinful nature of Absalom, which drove him to compete with his father and or strive for legitimacy and power as a value that he failed to get from his father. This rejection, this spirit of rejection, drove Absalom to earn love and act out of the will of God, And it was this combined with his anger and hate that drove him to armed conflict and also adding his personal skills and his controlling and manipulative abilities that brought him in true competition with his father. And honestly, it really wasn't the kingdom he wanted, but the acceptance of a father and the identity that comes from a heavenly father that he failed to learn in his youth because of his consumption with self and his hatred and desire for vengeance against his brother. I round this out and we make the spirit of rejection personal. We end this podcast with what God says about you, his chosen son or daughter of God. First, let me ask you a few questions. Rejection is rampant in our society. Do you have trouble looking people in the eye? Are you not happy with who you are? Or do you feel like you have to earn people's approval? Is your value wrapped up in what you do? not in who you are? If these statements ring home to you, let me tell you who you are. You are a child of God. You are a chosen child of God, created to do amazing things. You have amazing gifts and talents and amazing purpose and things to achieve on this planet. God made you look just the way you are. He made you speak just the way you are. He made your hair that color and your skin that color, even your behaviors and glorious characteristics. He, put, he made you. He formed you. They were a reflection of who God made and a reflection of his image. For you were created in God's image. You are amazing and gifted and talented and skilled with the works of your hands. You have a unique spiritual and physical skill set, and you were made for a family, God's spiritual family and a physical family. You are just awesome and wonderfully made. We need more world changers and people of God just like you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as our good friend Jason Watson puts on an audio drama from 2 Samuel 10 and Second Samuel 11 titled When the Kings Go to War. Feel free to visit the website messagetokings.com or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.